There isn't a one-size-fits-all marketing approach to selling real estate. And sure, there's best practices, but I think that you need to develop a strategy that's unique to your brand or your business and that highlights your superpower. So welcome to the Marketing Trench Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you find your superpower and exploring creative solutions to build a more visible brand that consistently delivers an exceptional customer experience. Whether you're selling real estate, loans, title, or escrow, doesn't matter. We've got you covered. Let's go. And we're live. This is going to be exciting. I can't wait to talk to you nerds. <laughs> Welcome to the Marketing Trench Podcast. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about finding the silver lining in uh, clouds, dark clouds of chaos. A uh, little bit like the conversation last week, but we've got some more thoughts on that. And uh, Scott could join us on time this time because he decided not to update. <laughs> Burn. I bar- actually, I barely made it today, so that's I'm actually doing pretty good. <laughs> Ricardo also barely made it, but he's sober, which is unusual. So we're <laughs> a Facebook user whose name I can't see on the stupid program. At least put it up there because it's nice. Boom. Thank you, Facebook user. We love you too. You're a stud. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> okay, so dark clouds, silver linings, and... One of the things that actually got us talking back channel over text about this was I had a conversation with one of our clients. He's been with us for about 10 years. He's with a big name brokerage. And he said to me, Hey, Dustin, our broker had a meeting this past week with all of our, you know, all of our agents. And he said, Agents, listen, if you're a buyer's agent, you are going to be out of business in five years because Zillow and Redfin are going to put you out of business. I buyer models putting you out of business. And the, the big idea here is that COVID has forced everything digitally. Has So we were already going this way, but COVID basically put a nitrous boost into the momentum toward digital utilization of digital technologies for real estate. And we can already see, he this guy is primarily a listing agent. He said, look, at this point, most of my inquiries come from people who are either represented by Redfin or who found me through Zillow and reached out to me directly. I'm hearing from fewer and fewer buyer's agents, which was sh- kind of shocking to me. Like I'm... I'm a, I'm a big believer this is where the future is going, not necessarily for buyer's agents per se, but just everything is going to be more digital and more consumer-facing. And that's definitely how we're building our escrow company. But that got us going. Like, well, you know, what are some of the silver linings here? Like, you know, Scott, let's just start here. You were skeptical of that proposition and you actually think that these dark clouds portend well for buyer's agents, more well than this broker seems to. What, why are you skeptical of what this broker had to say? I think that's a misrepresentation of my position, actually, <laughs> well, because I'm not saying that I'm skeptical because there's no question that technology is going to continue to play a larger and larger role in the transaction where it can. Kind of what my argument is with all of this. So, so first of all, this conversation about buyer's agents going away has been going on for at least I've been hearing it for at least 10 years, at least 10 years. And it, and it was like, it's go, it's happening around the corner. What I wanted to bring to this conversation is that when there is chaos and when there is a confusion and when there is unknowns, a large segment of society is going to lose their minds and they're only going to focus on what's wrong. And what that does is that opens up the doors for people that are just looking for the opportunities that come out of that. I definitely have an argument against the whole technology taking over. That's kind of like saying McDonald's will feed the world, 
right? McDonald's it, does feed the world. <laughs> it feeds anybody that likes shitty hamburgers, but I wouldn't call that feeding people. people. Yeah, I wouldn't call that feeding people. I would say maybe poisoning them a little bit. <laughs> but it, 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 it's, it's a, I'm just I'm going to get sued at the end of this one. Our Facebook user is actually making my point exactly. So let me bring him in here. And this is my point: is that there will always be people that want to talk to people that aren't going to trust the technology. Anytime you create a technological or a technology solution to serve the masses, you're going to isolate a very, very large number of people that A, don't trust that system, B, don't fit into the system. When it comes to digital mortgages, I call it not easy enough. Rocket can slam through as many easy mortgages as they can get their hands on. But the second it's not easy enough, boop, you're out, right? You're just kicked to the curb and then they can't help you. Any system that's designed to help everybody isolates a large number of people that don't want to be a part of a mediocre solution that just paints this broad brush and paints everybody and all consumers as a broad brush. All right, all right. I'm, pushing back. I'm pushing back because Netflix is designed to help, <laughs> it, but, but Netflix has pioneered mass customization. And so why can't the lending industry figure out how to do mass customization as well? Like I hear you that right now, Rocket Mortgage doesn't serve people who have hair on their loans as the term goes. In the future, you can you can have algorithms that account for all of this, right? No, no. Well, yes, you can, but there needs to be more systemic change than a front-end consumer-facing digital solution. There's a back-end to this that still requires people to process stuff and look things up. And so until the entire let's call it a production chain from origination to selling on the secondary market or whatever, until there's a digital solution for that. I think, <laughs> thank you, Facebook user. Dustin is way off on that one. Carter, identifying people's preferences on something as abstract as a movie or just determining whether or not somebody has the right debt to income ratio. I mean, really, money's easier than movies. Well, it actually isn't because this is very much a gig economy, especially this last year, right? There's a lot of people that make money doing a lot of different things, and and, and that throws a that throws a <laughs> that throws a wrench in all of the. Did I miss something? No, I was no. When you said it's a gig economy, <laughs> not California. <laughs> no, that didn't pass. <laughs> well, I mean, this year we've been operating under the cloud of of what is that AB five or whatever that was. Yeah. Facebook user <laughs> two, two, three, four, seven um, is absolutely is a hundred percent right. We live in these little bubbles because we live on online. We're digital, and everybody says you have to be online. Everything has to be digital, but that's not most people. A movie is an hour commitment or a week if it's Dexter. Fair enough. <laughs> Mortgage is thirty years. So what? It, we're talking about the onboarding process. <laughs> so, so okay. So let's talk. Let's talk about this a little bit then. So let's take let's take that example, Dustin. Let's kind of explore it instead of just you know with these broad platitudes. So let's talk about buyers agents. What does a buyers agent do that can be replaced by technology? Let me play the devil's advocate and the guy who's advocating for the position that buyers agents are useless. Full disclosure, I don't believe this, so stop sending me escrows. Um, For the record, I don't think he said useless. I think he said they're going to be replaced by technology. What do buyer's agents do that is easily automatable? They let you into a house. 
right now you can use technology to verify your identity and get into a house. They help you to identify houses, Zillow. They help you to understand what like the neighborhood's like or what you know schools are in the area or walkability scores, school rankings. They help negotiate a purchase price. Okay, that one's harder, but arguably the market really determines the price of a house. This is this is actually one of my beefs when when agents are so like, we got the highest price per square foot. It's like the market was growing up. You didn't do that, not fully. Like, you know, really great marketing can help drive the price of a house, but not by a lot because the dang thing still needs to appraise. There are limits there. And the negotiation, like, you know, yeah, negotiation, fine. You can't fully automate negotiation, okay? The buyer's agent prepare, prepares the contract, right? They, they write the offer, okay? And they go over the RPA with you. Legal Zoom, right? I mean, we've got websites that do complicated contract stuff. Also, TurboTax, right? So if I'm like fully going in the direction of this all can be automated, those are some examples I'm pointing to. And then... Finally, the buyer's agent can advise you on things like, you know, they do the walkthroughs, they give you insights on, you know, whether or not you should be asking for some sort of reduction in price or some sort of credit to, to fix this or that thing, and give you a sense of whether or not what you're seeing in terms of maybe damage or repairs or whatever is substantial. You probably can't automate that. Let's assume that maybe you just pay somebody just to do those handful of things. What are you guys thinking that, that, that I'm missing here? Well, first of all, I, in order to do that, I think you have to have certain knowns. The challenges when you're buying resale properties is like condition of the property, things like that. I, it's easy to say that, but homes are not commodities necessarily. I mean, you're not punching out. You're not going to the home store and buying a condo that's just been <laughs> built and everything's done and it's guaranteed and all of this it's, stuff. It's not like we're only talking new model homes. Right. No, we're definitely not talking new model homes. And the other part of this is here's what I could see happening. I could 100% see a 100% digital solution for a new condominium complex, like a brand new condominium complex. And they're the sellers and they're like, no, buyer's agents aren't necessary. Just, you know, come on in. These are brand new and you can, you know, this is what you're getting. Those are more densely populated areas. The overwhelming majority of the country is kind of rural and suburban and there's a lot of diversity and a lot of different things and a lot of different changes. So I think in order to create automation, you have to have 100% confidence that certain things are always going to be the same, that you can rely on them. But that's just not the case here. It's not the case. So there's that. The other part of this is really, there's the contractual piece of it. I think that's a big piece of it. God, you know, there's so many things. You say legal zoom, and I'm just thinking again, when you boil it down to the absolute bare minimum, you're just giving up all of the detail. You're giving up everything and you're assuming we're getting more answers in here, but you're assuming that most people are comfortable with trusting the largest purchase in their entire life to technology. Yeah. I, I just don't think that most people trust technology that way. I mean, shit, you can't even trust the news. How are you gonna how are you gonna trust how right? I mean, how are you gonna trust technology to do this? And you had mentioned something about neighborhoods. Where where would you go to find out about neighborhoods? If you were searching where do I work or, or am I going to live in this place, you're going to trust a person who is a 
feet on the ground. This is our community. This is how we live in this community. These are the things we do in our community. That's the silver lining. That's the opportunity for the buyer's agent is to own that conversation. I don't know if we did this offline or online, but you were saying that all of his business comes from Redfin or Zillow or something like that, and rarely from buyer's agents, right? That's because buyer's agents are allowing somebody else to have the conversation for them. Well, yeah, that's the point. It's happen- like it's already happening. That's why I'm more, I would say, bullish on it because I think, I can't, unfortunately, I can't see who's commenting because it just says Facebook user. But she notes, most people aren't comfortable with an agent double-ending the deal. But a lot of people are. So, I mean, we do. We do a lot, it's because uh, a lot of well, people think they're getting a better deal going through. Lower, right? Because they're, gonna, they're normally going to spend 5% instead of 6%. Well, not know? a buyer. Yeah, but that's such a crock because we all know that the buyer is covering the cost of that commission with the purchase price of the house. So, I mean, you know, they could negotiate with the with, the, with the seller. Well, they are, <laughs> right? That's just what's happening because 6% is baked in. We handle escrows all the time where people go and they're like, hey, look, instead of paying my agent, can you just reduce the overall price of the house by 1% or something like that, right? And that's the same as 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 otherwise paying the agent 6% paying my agent three and paying the other agent three or two and a half, two and a half, whatever. But you see what I'm saying? You're just moving the shells around. But like, you know, it's okay. You know, potato, potato, as far as I'm concerned. People let other agents double in the deal all the time. They're, they're comfortable with it. So on those things that you need humans, I will grant that there's still ambiguity where you want humans. Even on TurboTax, you can click to, you know, pay to talk to a CPA in India who will, you know, give you advice on how you're filling out your automated TurboTax thing. I've done this. I, I'm pushing on this because I think we all have to be realistic. And by the way, I could give you the even more hard case for why escrow companies are going to get wiped out by technology, especially blockchain, okay? Blockchain, no, that's true. But, you know, I think we all want to take cover under the shelter of, well, you know, humans are going to trust other humans for human things. It's like, okay, well, what are those human things? And Scott, the, to your point, this is a conversation fundamentally about silver linings and dark clouds. So, I think one thing we need to do right now in this dark cloud environment where we see technology eating our lunch, right? Like we're not getting together with people, you know, we're, we're already using technology to substitute all kinds of things that we didn't think we were ever going to use technology to substitute or we were hesitant to use technology to substitute, right? My wife has been doing depositions in five different states all via Zoom, which was not possible or happening until COVID. You know, and we're seeing this too, right? Like we're, we're not just going to open houses. Broker caravans are a thing of the past. And, you know, now we're, we're scheduling tours using technology and people can show up on their own without an agent and, and do the walkthrough. They can, they have the option, right? So this is what I'm trying to, this is what I'm trying to get at. Like, I think we need to really like drill down and ask ourselves really hard questions right now. And one of those really hard questions is why am I not going to get wiped out by technology? Not why am I not? But how do I create value so that I cannot be wiped out by technology? To say that things always stay the same is just completely inaccurate. You're always, our businesses are always evolving. Our business strategies are always evolving. Anybody who's been in the business for longer than 10 years is leveraging technology to do things that they never leveraged 10 years ago. I think it's just forcing buyer's agents to up their game and over communicate their value. You have to you have to communicate your value. Well, and you have to change that value proposition a little bit. You may have to find a way to change that. And listen, there's a way to use technology to assist in the person-to-person communication. It doesn't have to be 100% digital. If you're a buyer's agent 
start learning about the different technologies and the tour technologies and say, hey, listen, you can tour the homes using all these things, but let me give you a checklist of the, the questions we need to ask. I can review the offer for you. There's the negotiation process. Again, you know, that could be solved with technology, some sort of a bidding platform in the future. There's no question that chaos creates change. And, and really where I kind of wanted to go with this conversation is that there is always a silver lining. Real estate's a pretty big deal. I don't think that the powers that be, whoever they are, are going to eliminate one half of that big of an industry. I mean, we saw what happened in 2008 when everything crashed and, you know, we almost went into a, a depression because real estate agents lost their jobs. Are you saying that technology is going to come along and create a depression, another recession, because yeah. it's going to put millions of people out of, out of work? I don't think so. There is always an opportunity. I would suggest that if you feel that way, pay attention to what's happening. Pay attention to what those changes are and figure out a way to position yourself so that you can be the provider of that technology or the handholder through that technology. It's going to change. It's not going to eliminate an entire swath of the industry. I, I just, not today, not in any of our lifetimes, maybe in the next I say our lifetimes because I'm a little bit older than you guys, but anybody getting into the business right now is getting into the business technology-based, like they're technology first. They're using the technology to reach people. They're using social media to create conversations. They're, they're the source of those conversations, not Zillow or Redfin. Change happens very slowly, I guess is what I'm saying. It's <laughs> not like there's a switch that's going to get flipped. So if you're running around with your hair on fire, afraid that things are going to change in 10 years, you're doing it wrong. COVID did flip a switch. It made people a lot more comfortable with doing things virtually more often than they were doing them before. And keep in mind, people were making excuses for all kinds of things before, right? Like, oh, nobody's going to do Zoom meetings because you can't be in person, blah, 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 blah. And then we started doing more Zoom meetings and we figured out how to do the in-person thing digitally. And now people are like, this is great. I don't have to leave my house. Ricardo hasn't worn pants in a year. Yeah, <laughs> my. But you see what I'm saying. Like, we, we have, to your contention, Scott, you know, like, what are you going to do? Wipe out half an industry? Yeah, maybe. Because it's not up to them. It's not up to the real estate agent whether or not they get business. It's up to the millions of consumers who are making decisions. And they're going to make the decision in the direction of safety, ease, whatever the case is going to be. And right now, you know, Zillow is making things safer and easier than agents who are sitting around waiting for their like drip campaigns and stuff to pay out. I'm obviously painting some caricatures here to make an argument, right? I don't I don't believe that every buyer agent is just sitting around. Well, what Zillow is making it easy to do is to look for homes. Well, and, I mean, there's some research that that's done there as well. But I mean, Ricardo can attest to this. A strong local site can beat out Zillow every time because Zillow can't compete for hyperlocal words. Zillow is just the Goliath. It's like the big cloud, but it can't compete for hyperlocal communities. So it, again, this comes down to if you're going to sit back and whine that somebody else is having a conversation with the consumer and you're not, you need to figure out how to be the one to have the have a conversation with the consumer. What that conversation is and how you have that, 
it's probably going to be technology enhanced. It's probably going to have to be, maybe you don't get to have face-to-face conversations with everyone. Maybe you have to leverage technology and you have your conversations over Zoom or something like that. Maybe when you list a house, here's another piece to this, is in order to eliminate a buyer's agent, doesn't that also mean that the listing agent needs to be replaced? Because a listing, an old school feet on the ground, canvassing, door knocking listing agent that gets a listing is not going to have the technology platform to eliminate a buyer's agent from the transaction. You can't get rid of buyer's agents without also getting rid of listing agents. What, why? Because in order for it to be technology, you have to have Carvana vending machines with houses and you go there <laughs> and you buy a house from a vending machine because where do you think the technology is going to be initiated from? The technology is going to be initiated from the person selling the house. Well, Here is the technology you use to buy this product. Okay. But you don't have to get rid of listing agents to have that. We're already seeing with Zillow how it's the case that the buyer's agent can be replaced while the listing agent obviously plays a pivotal role in the transition. But what is a listing agent doing? Listen, I'm telling you, if the industry is digitalized enough so that you would eliminate buyer's agents, you have also mostly eliminated listing agents. I mean, you're in agent territory. Well, and I'm not saying that any of these are are eliminated. I'm saying that these things are going to change. These roles are going to change. I want to keep this in the direction of silver linings here because... You know, what we're kind of talking about at a high level is we've seen an acceleration of trends. And also, we have seen a deceleration of best practices, former best practices. So an acceleration of trends is more people are using the internet for things. The deceleration of best practices is the in-person stuff that we relied on historically, sponsoring a kid's sports event where your sign is hanging up and everyone can see that you're a real estate agent, doing community events, doing open houses, da-da-da-da. All that's been decelerated. Those are the dark clouds. What's the silver lining? And I think to discover the silver lining, you have to get real about what the dark clouds actually portend. Like how big are they? What do they cover? Where is the sun not shining? But then what what is the silver lining? That's where the sun is shining. And Scott, what you're saying is the sun is shining brightest on people who have managed to become hyper-local experts because there's a ceiling to the level of trust that we have in automation. And everything above that ceiling is where the human can make money. Is that snapshot kind of what you're saying? I think that's definitely accurate. First of all, this is this it's going to happen a lot slower than anybody thinks. It's been happening for you know the last 10 years. There's a lot of things that are there's a lot of things that technology has 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 started to has started to replace. But it, it, even at its very best, it's still only so you know, I think about this with with the digital mortgages, maybe this is where I was going. What if they got it so good that 60% of people could use it and wouldn't have to use a person. That's going to make an impact on the industry. I would argue that it's not going to hurt people that are very, very innovative and aggressive and, and that this is their profession and they're experts. I think there's going to be some geography 
to that. I mean, I think you're going to see the, the changes happening in, in different geographical areas faster, like maybe more densely populated areas where there's more consistency. And I'm thinking of that in terms of like, how do you value a house? You don't need appraisers anymore if you have high turnover in a neighborhood that has a lot of very similar houses. You can use data for the bank to determine whether or not there's risk there or not. And we've actually been seeing a lot of that during COVID. You know, they're relying more and more on data and they're saying, you know, you don't have to do an appraisal. But that's one aspect of the transaction. I think that's what you're seeing is you start to see these things getting picked off. But yes, again, I think that people are always going to want to deal with people. And I would almost argue that the more you push towards a technology-based world, the more people crave human interaction. I have to believe that. I mean, we use technology for convenience. It doesn't replace relationships. It doesn't replace, you know, communities. It doesn't replace a lot of things. When you talk about going to Zillow to learn about a community or you go to a website that talks about the community, it's probably ghostwritten by somebody overseas. So if you're going to research a community, and again, this is where where is the conversation taking place? And is there a conversation that takes place? It's the eliminate part that I don't like. It is going to change. There's no question. I bet you there's a lot of record companies. There's a lot of travel agencies. <laughs> there's a lot of car dealerships that didn't think that things could change so quickly. I think that this has been a people business for so long. And quite frankly, Realtors have a very large lobby in Washington. So I think that's going to put the brakes on a lot of this stuff that could evolve quicker as well. The well, silver lining is your like job may change. Have, like, have slowed down. The MLS has been the single biggest you know, firewall for agents against yep. technological change, 100%. Well and, that's, and, well, and that's why Zillow is so popular. Is now you can basically get, you know, you can see any property anywhere in the... That happened a long time ago, though. You know, you would almost argue, well, if there was a time, first it was a book, then it was the MLS, <laughs> right? If the only way you could see houses, I would argue that Zillow should have put realtors out of business, but they didn't. It just changed the way that they do business a little bit. They haven't yet. But this is my point, is the MLS basically locks Zillow out and kept it an agent-only platform. And if it wasn't for that action, like if the MLS had basically made the Faustian bargain with Zillow, recognizing that Zillow was going to eventually become the MLS, and it said, yeah, you guys have total access and you don't need all these brokerages and all these broker relationships to, to get you know access to these properties, et cetera, et cetera. How much further along down the Zillow road would we be right now? I, I think we would be a lot further down the road. But Zillow has had to do this, you know, we're your friends. They're <laughs> your friends, not food dance for, for a long time. And now they're just like, every time they keep ratcheting and we all see what they're doing. Every time they turn that ratchet one more, right? Most recently, we're becoming a brokerage, but don't you worry. We're not replacing any of you. So you're like, you are full of crap. We all know what you're doing. Like the path is so clear, but they have to do that because they have all of these brokerage dependent relationships that keep that give them access to their core product which is the housing inventory. I think that the moral of this story is yes change is coming. Yes change is going to change your world but it's not going to happen overnight. If you're a change denier 
And, it, you know, it, listen, change either happens or it's not, it, or, or it doesn't. I, the silver lining strategy that we really wanted to touch on here is that, yes, there's chaos. Yes, there's change. Yes, digital solutions and technology are encroaching on what we're used to. But it doesn't mean that everything changes overnight. Just because they innovated faster than us, we now have to innovate to catch up to where the industry is going. So the moral of the story for me is when there is chaos, you can either run around screaming with your hair on fire that everything is wrong, or you can sit back, look at it, figure out what your silver lining is. What is your opportunity in this? What is not, what need is not being met by this overarching broad brush solution? There will always be people disenfranchised by broad brush solutions. And so you become a specialist instead of a generalist. Okay, so let's talk about specifically things that each of us are doing then to find the silver lining. So Scott, let's start with you. In your industry now to find silver linings. What I am doing specifically and what I've been doing for a while is is identifying specific scenarios where call center lenders never perform. So I see what the machine is doing. I have a unique position because I get to talk to people that get turned down and turned away and turned off by big box lenders and call center lenders and stuff like that, or inexperienced employees filling positions in a bigger machine that's supposed to replace us. So for me specifically, I know that there are certain scenarios, there are certain situations that those consumers will never make it through that process. First of all, there's a huge swath of people that won't go through that process anyhow. There's another group of people that'll try the process, and then after their phone stops ringing in two weeks, they decide, holy shit, that was the wrong decision. I'm <laughs> going to try to find somebody. You know, I'm going to look for a better way. So I'm very much a specialist, very much a specialist. I try to identify opportunities in my market to help a person, and hopefully that that person is a statistical representation of a larger swath of people that are potentially going to have the same experience. That's what I do as I go narrow. All right, Ricardo. Do, do me next, Scott. What am I doing? <laughs> I said answer mine next. No, you're actually, you're doing a lot of good things. <laughs> what? I don't know what, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, you play a different role because you're not a lender necessarily or a no. real estate agent, but the role that you play is helping lenders and real estate agents understand this wave of technology that's coming. Well, and that's important. You haven't not been doing anything since March. You've actually been doing a lot. And I'm curious to know, how. what have you been doing and how have you determined that those are the things worth doing? For us, it just, we doubled down on digital. We've been going hard on digital since since March. For me, with the agents, it's helping them think through kind of the challenges and opportunities that are in their market for each and every one of them. The challenges are, I can't do these in-person activities anymore, so how do I market my business, my brand, myself a lot better? And I mean, to do that, you just go digital and you go hyper-local. I don't know. 
when when I sit down and I talk to an agent, I I just try to uncover what is it that you're working on in your business right now? What's working? What are you happy with? And then we work backwards to identify opportunities. This is a hyper-local issue. If you play the role, listen, if you're a real estate agent in your community, your job is to understand and know the community and know as many people as you possibly can. Technology help makes it easier to have those conversations. But if you've been living in that community and you know everybody who lives there and you know everybody's kids and their grandkids and all that stuff, you're not going to see Zillow <laughs> come in and put you out of business. It's just not going to happen. But if you're in probably, you know, maybe a more densely populated area where you don't have personal relationships with your community, then you're absolutely at risk of being replaced by technology. Because if you don't offer anything greater than what technology can like, deliver. If, you're, if your value prop is now's a great time to buy, you're toast. Right. Because there's there are literally billions of dollars being spent every year to convince consumers that you're not important as a professional, especially in the mortgage industry. But we're not going out of business. But they're but they're they're obviously they're I mean, we're talking about we're talking about housing here, right? There's a lot of housing transactions that happen every single year. So even if technology comes in and 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 eliminates part of your job, there is so much business. There's still so much business to be had. We, you're talking about really, really broad numbers, but but the people who would never participate in that are in the millions. Hmm. Okay, so here's what we're doing, to, and I'm going to respond to this, Scott, because I actually think that COVID is helping us to figure out how to cull the herd, all right? So what we're doing here at Lighthouse is we're saying... What has become irrelevant that was always relevant? And in our industry, I'm, I'm about to say something that's very shocking, and I hope the regulators will <laughs> hear, but escrow companies pay for marketing all the time, all the time. They have these little side companies. They're printing all kinds of flyers and all kinds of you know paper-driven marketing materials, and it's part of the value proposition that wink nod happens under the table. We don't do that. I have ethical quandaries with it, even though there's there are letter of the law ways around the, the whole. Is thing. that the escrow black market? <laughs> and look, there's a lot of money. Tens of thousands of dollars every single month easily are going into probably hundreds of thousands of Orange County are going into this escrow black market. I mean, it's, it's a real thing. Okay. But with COVID, all that got wiped out, right? So, well, I mean, mostly got wiped out. So now, like, what's the value proposition of those escrow companies? And like, where does Lighthouse Escrow as an escrow company that doesn't do that kind of stuff? fit into the value proposition. And one of the things we've seen is that there was a huge spike in demand for escrow services because refis went through the roof. And then resales started to feel the, the lack that comes when everyone's too busy to service them exclusively. We said, okay, how do we focus on becoming a lot better? Like our silver lining is we've, we've always been service focused. How do we get even better at service focus? And right now, simple things like we answer our phones, we respond to emails, even after hours, we can do emergency work on the weekends because we've had remote capacity for years, right? We didn't just rush this stuff through because COVID hit. We've already, we've been here for a long time. Leaning into that from a sales perspective has been huge. That's how we started. We just, we just said, you know, hey, what has gone away and where can we lean into the future? And this is where we think we can uh, lean into the future. Also, one of the things we've done is we've said data is now more important than ever. See, look, here's the flip side of that coin. 
everyone going online and using these online services and everyone putting their stuff online and you know we're all afraid of it. But what it creates is really powerful insights. Facebook and Google are not rich just because people happen to use their platforms. They're rich because they learn a crap ton of stuff about every single person that's on their platform. <laughs> and then they know exactly how to talk to those people in a way that generates economic activity. And why our industry isn't any good at that, it seems, is totally beyond me. But one of the things we've been trying to do is we've been trying to combine different tool sets that exist in the universe. Our closed system, escrow software, uh, tools like REA reports and others, we basically hacked them together for an internal system. And we've talked about this in our CRA podcast here on, on the Marketing Trench. We're hacking these things together to get deep insights, right? So now, for example, with our sales team, instead of them just seeing a long list of every single agent who posted a listing, which is like, you know, that could be 100 people deep, right? And having no real content, it's like, Hey, I see you got a listing. Would you like to use my escrow company? Right? That's what everybody does. And then they all say, we're great at service. And they don't define what that means. And it's just stupid. And everyone ignores those emails, ignore those phone calls. So what we've done is we've said, okay, how can we make these actually more impactful? And we're doing things like saying, hey, you were on a buy side of one of our escrows two years ago. You worked with Angela Cook, who's our escrow manager. And we saw that you just got a listing. It looks like it's in an area that you don't normally list in, but it's an area we actually do a lot of transactions in. Would you like an invite to the broker preview? And also, can we have the opportunity to work with you on this upcoming escrow? It's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Like, So we have all these points of context that technology has enabled us to, to see. What we've done is we've leveraged this, this threat and used it as an asset. You know, I don't think it's going to be in a, in a parasitical way, which is arguably what Zillow has been doing with agents for the last 10 years. But it's to say, hey, look, how can we use technology to do more of the tech things and how can we use technology to help us be better humans to other humans, right? Yeah. And, and so that has been like that framework or that lens, if you will, has been what has allowed us to look at the world and how it's changing and then course correct. Sounds like you found a silver lining there, my friend. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to dial in on, right? Like how do you huh? find those silver linings? So one of the Facebook users just asked us a question I think it'd be really great to tackle, which is, how long have we been telling the people to be a professional, you must shift from a generalist to a specialist? I think it was a comment, not a question. Well, yeah. I mean, the idea is this idea has been around for a long time. And yep. I think there is a question hidden in that, which is how do you become a specialist as opposed to a generalist? Or by 45 first? minutes and 25 seconds. <laughs> Content marketing. <laughs> you have to own the conversations. You have to own the conversations. I don't care where it is. I don't care if you're a TikToker or a, you know, whatever you do. If you like to do videos, if you like to write, if you like to do whatever, you've got to be able to have conversations where consumers are at. And there's no question that consumers are but, out there. But you also have to understand in the content you create, you have to understand the worldview of the customer, not your own. Yeah. I, I feel you, like a lot of people don't do that. What do you mean? I don't understand what you mean. You have to put yourself in your customer's shoes. You, ha you have to understand, like, you have to look at the lens that they're looking at. So here's how technology was sold to our industry. Hey, you can bombard a ton of people all the time. <laughs> that's what it's, that's always what it is. It's like, it's like, hey, if you have a, you know, you can blast this list, you can drip these people, you e can do all these things. Email blasts aren't personalized. Communication oh. is automated, but unpersonalized. You're yeah. saying the same thing 
to effectively everyone. People ask me, I want to buy a list of, you know, 20,000 people and spam them my listing, but it happens to be a, a high-end luxury listing. Why would you email a bunch of nobody, like a bunch of, why would you not segment that list and only email it to the high-end demographic? Before technology, everyone was a specialist. There were no generalists before technology. Then technology was introduced and technology vendors and creators and innovators come out and say, you have to buy this technology because you can talk to so many more people. Now, they never said uh -huh. you could talk to more people. They said you could be exposed to more people. I think we've, it's now like it's, we've it's come- made us lazy. It, it has- lazy. And it's also come full circle to now, if you're an innovative specialist, you can leverage all of those technology tools to become a specialist once again. And it's okay if only 50 people see your video about this new house that's coming up for sale on this historic neighborhood that's next to the best pizza place I've ever eaten at in my entire <laughs> life, if one person wants to do business with you. It's okay if only 20 people see it. If three people now think that you are somebody I'm going to talk to if and when I'm ever ready to buy a home. You have to still believe that being a, a specialist is the exact same as it was before technology came. You just have to leverage technology in order to be able to put it out there because the consumers are in a different place than they were today, this month, right? Or this or this year. But next year, you don't think people are going to love to be in front of people again. And you're not going to be able to go back out to the community and, and meet all your neighbors again and door knock and talk to everybody again. I don't know. I mean, Ricardo is, is, is that gal got them? Is that, is that your kid's pipes? No way. You can hear can that. Hear, <laughs> is she two blocks away? Oh my that God. That is awesome. <laughs> I may have underestimated the uh, loft as a home office. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed like a great idea. I think she takes it. I think she takes after you after two old fashions. She just keeps getting louder and louder. That is awesome. A lot more than two old fashions to get Ricardo dialed up. That is awesome. <laughs> Speaking of which, I need I need my old fashioned because I I've been promised old fashions for a while, and I'm sitting in this office drinking water. <laughs> Ricardo's right there on uh, the other side of the screen. <laughs> I think it's a good place to wrap up. It's been an interesting yeah. conversation. I need to yeah. uh, put on some of my Lighthouse Escrow branded hand sanitizer to make sure I don't get the vid and spread it around. But I think this has been an interesting conversation about how to find some silver linings in the dark clouds. And, you know, I, I do think the world is going to change, you know, go back in the direction of, you know, person-to-person -person communication. Obviously, humans just desire that. I don't know how soon. I mean, you know, it depends on what happens with the vaccines, depends on what happens with lockdown and all sorts of, all sorts of, you know, variables there. I'm not, I'm telling my sales guys, for example, not to plan on any big changes until at least the summer of next year. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, at least we're giving people the tools that they need to be able to kind of navigate this with, with a set of principles. And, and what I would leave everybody with is Corona is bad. The election is has got everybody <laughs> up in arms, but there are going to be significant changes and you can decipher those changes for your community. With a change in the administration, it's going to impact housing significantly. Figure out what that is, get in front of that conversation. 
COVID changed things significantly. There's still almost 3 million people in forbearance. And we don't know if there's going to be a second wave, if we're going to be logged down, if there's going to be another wave of forbearances. Get in front of that conversation too. What does that mean? How do you preserve home ownership through coronavirus? You can have these conversations with your community. Shit, you don't have to put this everywhere. Call the mayor or call the city council and say, hey, can we do a, a Zoom call for our community? You have a list of all the residents in our town. Can we do a Zoom call? I'd love to talk about how people can preserve their homes if they have challenges during COVID. There's silver linings out there. Your hair's not on fire. Stop listening to all of the chaos. Mm. Start figuring out ways to create personal connections in this type of a situation. Anticipate the change. Get on top of the change and be the one driving the conversation. All right. Well, that's awesome. So with that, we encourage you to check out some of our previous episodes. If you have questions about how to do some of that, if you want to listen to previous episodes where we talk about, say, for example, leveraging the Pareto principle to be able to dive into your your network and figure out who, who's providing you value and maybe through a fractal process, really get down to the, the, the most powerful element of your database. And you can find our episodes over at marketingtrench.fm. That's where we keep them. Also, you can find them on pretty much any podcast player, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, we encourage you to check out realdisrupt.com. That's part of the, we're part of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative, a group of podcasts dedicated to the real estate industry, talking about different aspects of our industry. You can find some really great shows there. So go check them out, realdisrupt.com. Until next time, this has been The Marketing Trench.